Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the sun moving into the second decan of Pisces. So we will look at the sun's transits through 10 degrees Pisces through 20 degrees of Pisces. Um, we do have a couple fixed stars that we're going to examine, including Archerner, which is part of the constellation Uridanus, and we'll talk about the story of the youth Phaethon. So that'll be an interesting story that we can draw some meaning upon. We'll talk about Anka, a fixed star in the constellation of the Phoenix. And um, we'll do some work with uh, the Nine of Cups today. And of course, as we usually do, we will do a, an I Ching reading for uh, to get to the core essence of this transit. So this is going to be taking place from the 28th of February to March the 10th. All right, before we dive in, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who has been attending um, both the online um, online webinars. I, I just posted a fixed star webinar that I did for Astrology Victoria. Put that on the YouTube channel. So if you missed that, you can catch the replay. And everybody that's been coming to the live streams on the YouTube channel, it's so exciting to be able to, to chat with all of you in the chat box. And I look forward to continuing to do that at the new and the full moon. If you're liking the work that I do here, make sure that you're subscribed to the channel, turn on the notifications, hit that like button. I also did start a new page where you can support the work that I do. It's called buymeacoffee.com. So if you're enjoying these videos, why not buy me a coffee? It'll be like we're hanging out at the coffee shop and uh, shooting the poop, like I say. So <laughs> we'll, uh, um, yeah, it's it's fun. I've been really appreciating all your support with that. That has been such a... Um, I'm just so grateful for everyone who's been contributing to that. It's uh, very validating and I really appreciate all of you. So thank you so much if you've been contributing in that platform. And um, yeah, let's move forward. This is giving me the opportunity to keep this content flowing to you. You're buying me the gift of oracular space and time. So I am super, super grateful for that. But let's take a look at the chart of the moment. All right, so what we're looking at here is the time frame between February the 28th and March the 10th. We, of course, are experiencing, as I record this, the full moon in Virgo. So we are kind of seeing the, uh, the dream trying to come to fruition, trying to manifest. Um, we may be trying to like cut out some of the parts that aren't necessarily realistic so that when we are trying to bring our vision that we worked so hard in the first decan of Pisces to find that meaning that that illuminating spirit that we searched to the center of the labyrinth to find um, we're working so hard to figure out what is actually possible what do we need to uh, cut out uh, so that we can manifest on a on this material plane that has certain rules that we have to follow um, we can't just uh, do whatever we want on this plane, although we can we can probably get close sometimes. Um, but there are definitely some some limits that we have to work within. And I think that's going to be kind of the the theme of this second decan of Pisces is what is really possible? What how do we find truth? Uh, where might we be kind of uh, making some compromises and uh, you know, maybe you know, falling short of the glory, so to speak. Um, the sun is peregrine in this mutable water sign of the fish. 
it is being hosted by Jupiter in Aquarius, to which it has an aversion relationship too. So we'll look at one chart here. We can see that Jupiter, its host, is hanging out in a temple that is right next to it. So this was said to be kind of a blind spot. So there is a danger that we might be experiencing some kind of blind spot as far as uh, what is or is not possible. Jupiter is hanging out in the second decan of Aquarius, you know, where we're seeing the, uh, the pontoon boat trying to uh, ferry somebody across a great river. So we may be trying to leave something behind uh, so that we can make a new start at the spring. And uh, we may be pretty anxious to, to move forward with our lives and to get, get on with it. Uh, but um, I, th I think the key that I'm seeing here is patience. Patience is the key. We don't want to try to, um, you know, give birth prematurely. I think we really have to examine what we're, what we're doing. We have to make sure that we have all our T's crossed and our I's dotted and that we know what we're getting ourselves into. I think this is the, the key that I'm seeing across all of these different themes that are coming up. The face rulers for this decade are Jupiter and the moon. So this is kind of like a double Jupiter experience where we really want to bring order to something we really want potentially to, to create. Um, but again, the balance point with the moon is we have to think about um, what kind of body we want to infuse all of this enthusiasm into and, um, you know, what are the, the ways that we can do that with um, a balanced equilibrium. So the tarot card associated with Pisces 2 is the Nine of Cups, and this is called the Lord of Material Happiness in the Book T. The Book of Toth calls it just happiness, and Austin Coppock calls this deck in the net. Um, I kind of get a feeling um, with Austin Coppock's story is this feels like an awareness of kind of like the matrix. I'm thinking of this as like Neo entering the matrix and his process of starting to understand um, his power within it, starting to understand that he is a co-creator with that sort of divine ordering consciousness, you know, with Zeus, the, the demiurge, that once he learns that he is, uh, he has some power within it, he can start to manipulate it to his will. And um, there are some, some pitfalls with that if we try to, you know, manipulate spiritual reality uh, without quite knowing what we're doing. Um, and this is really reflected in the two stories of Master and Apprentice that we have this week with Dolos and Phaethon. Okay, so the daimon of this decan was Dolos. And uh, Dolos was a, uh, the personification of trickery and deceit. Uh, it was associated with craftiness, treachery, guile. Um, he was an apprentice of Prometheus. And um, I'm going to read to you an excerpt from 36 Faces, Austin Coppock's uh, magnum opus. And uh, he says on page 253 in the Pisces 2 chapter, he says, Aesop reports that Dolus was one, once apprenticed to the titan Prometheus, the very craftsman who fashioned the forms of man and woman. Prometheus had decided that he would create a statue of Aletheia, truth. Working the clay, he gave her a magnificent form. But just before he finished, he received a summons from mighty Zeus, who called him away on urgent business. 
Dolus, alone and eager to prove his craft, began shaping a copy of the magnificent statue that Prometheus had wrought. He copied Alethea's form perfectly, but by the time he was ready to construct the feet of his statue, he found that he had run out of clay. Prometheus returned shortly thereafter to find Dolus, who was at that point fearful of his master's wrath. But Prometheus was not angry, instead was struck by the artifice of his student and decided that both statues should enter the kiln together. Once they had been fired, Prometheus brought each to life. Aletheia, truth, walked with graceful, even steps. Her incomplete sister, Pseudologos, falsehood, moved awkwardly, for her unfinished feet marred her stride. Okay, so that's interesting, right? We've got truth, Aletheia, that can, it is whole, that can walk, that can be sustained over time. We have Pseudologos, who was incomplete, that doesn't have feet. The feet is interesting. Feet are associated with Pisces. That is one of the astrological correspondences with this sign. And I think that this story of Dolos really can kind of speak to that on some level because we have Pseudologos missing the feet and a falsehood where we, if we, if we cut corners, if we try to walk before we are fully fledged, right, um, we will fall down over time. If we, if we aren't honest, if we aren't rooted in our honesty, uh, the lie will eventually catch up to us. And I think that that is something to really consider as we move through the second decade of Pisces is how can we maintain our honesty? How can we maintain our integrity? Uh, how can we maintain our humility and not get lost in the, the trap of hubris where we uh, try to, you know, do too much? And, uh, you know, how can we create and also accept that the forms that we are going to create in this material reality are mere reflections of the truth that lie beyond the shadows of, of Plato's cave, if we're going to mix our allegorical stories, right? When we're creating here on this physical plane, um, we can't, you know, we can't create a perfect copy or a perfect replica of the, the spiritual vision that we see. It's, it's just kind of impossible. And I think that some of that can allow us to relax and see that um, we don't have to be perfect. We can be learn the quality of contentment and satisfaction. This is a, another thing that we can associate with the name of this card. We see a figure in this nine of cups who looks very satisfied very almost smug to the point where he is, has found maybe some kind of secret. He has some sort of material accomplishment. Now we have to be careful in this card that we aren't mistaking our material prosperity for our spiritual prosperity. Um, in a book that I like to reference, uh, Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wen, she really uh, talks about this concept with this card is that we may feel like we've achieved something materially, but we, we cannot make the mistake of, of a material uh, solution as being, you know, having arrived spiritually, okay? So uh, she also talks about the reverse part of this card. When, it, when that card is reversed, we could experience vanity, conceit, a fall from grace after a quick ascent. Um, yeah, and we'll see that with Phaethon. I'll read you a little bit of the story of Phaethon as well. Okay, so one of the big... Uh, aspects, actually the big aspect that we have with this cycle is a last quarter moon square. 
So we will be experiencing on the 5th of March, a last quarter moon square between the moon at 15 degrees Sagittarius and the sun at 15 Pisces. So what I want to do is I want to take you through and show you a little bit about that because we do have some shifts that are going to be happening in the week ahead. Remember a decan is about 10 days worth of uh, sun movement. Okay. Um, so if I move you forward, uh, well, actually, before I do that, uh, let's take a look at what planets are participating in our story. So the sun is co-present with an exalted Venus, co-present with Neptune. So we may be, uh, it may be easy for us to, to get lost in this kind of um, desire to want to merge with the divine. Uh, we have to be careful of illusion as we move forward. We may be um, blinded a little bit by the glamour of our vision with Venus here, and we're only seeing the beauty, and we're only seeing the the positive side of, of the actions that we're taking, and we may be a little bit blinded to the to the the um, the flip side of that. And uh, this is something we may be wrestling with a little bit as we move through our full moon phase. We do have a a, tr a trine, I'm sorry, a, a sextile from the Sun to Mars and Uranus. So we're trying to work through dealing with our resources in a new way. We also have a sextile from the sun to um, Pluto. And these are whole sign sextiles. We're not going to see the sun um, make exact aspects to these planets until it gets through the third decan of Pisces, uh, at least for Pluto. I do think that um, Mars is going to change signs before we have a um, exact sextile between the sun and Mars. So that is going to be a big part of our story too, is Mars changing signs. And then instead of being in a sextile relationship with the sun, Mars is going to move into a square. So this may be part of our, our narrative as well. Once Mars moves into that square relationship with the sun, we may feel some tension between the, all the options that we have. This is really what Gemini is all about is an awareness of, all these different directions that we could go in and, and all of the mental anguish that can cause us. Um, the cards and the, the tarot really talk about this kind of paralysis by analysis, paralysis by a proliferation of, of uh, many directions we could head. And we have to make a choice in that story of Gemini. Uh, one, of the, one of the twins has to, has to die so that the other can live. And um, you have to give up some of the choices so that you can, you know, put your energy into what, what you really have your heart behind. Um, and and that's, that's a difficult thing. A lot of the times we want to do everything. I know that I have a Venus in Gemini, so I'm, I'm very much smitten by the possibilities. And every once in a while, I just have to let go of some things and say, this is what I'm doing today. And I don't have to, you know, do everything all at once, although... <laughs> with these forecasts, I do, I make my best attempt at it. Um, sometimes like, uh, like young Phelan or Faith, Faithon, uh, I may fly a little too close to the sun, um, but we'll get to that uh, in our forecast here. So let me show you what we're going to be looking at. So we move forward and we start to see that Mars is going to be moving close to, uh, Gemini, and it's going to move into that on uh, around the third or the fourth. And um, the other thing that's happening around March the fourth is we do have Mercury 
and Jupiter coming together in a in a conjunction, right? They are kind of the the rulers of the sun, Jupiter, and the ruler of the the full moon, Mercury, are finally coming together in some kind of union. So I really think the end of this week, between March 3rd and March 5th, we're really going to start to see the energy shift. And I think we have to be real careful that we, you know, our enthusiasm, you know, our, our mind finally finding the thing that we want to do, that in our enthusiasm that we don't rush, rush the process. So that's my kind of theme of, of today. All right. So as we move forward to the fifth, okay, we're going to see the, the beginning of this um, last, last quarter moon, okay? So if I move forward a little bit, I'll show you the exact square. So that's going to happen at about 15 degrees. Okay, here we go. So now we have the sun in a exact square to the moon in Sagittarius. And this is a tension point. Last quarter moon phases were a, a sort of existential crisis. Squares are of the nature of Mars, so there's some kind of conflict between our inner vision and how we are going to manifest it physically. At the full moon, we were coming to terms with the limitations. We were coming. We were trying to weed out uh, the the practical, the impractical parts of our dream, so that we could bring it into into fruition. And now at this last quarter you know, moon phase, we may be faced with the reality of the manifestation, um, all the possibilities it's bringing to us with Mars moving into Gemini. And we may feel just a little bit overwhelmed with um, all the things that it is helping us manifest. And we have to make choices because Mars is going to be in an opposition to this moon too. So we really have to choose which parts of the dream that we are starting to see visibly are we going to keep to be able to, to have order in the next project that we're working on? And which things are we just going to have to let go of and let, and let die, right? Um, there's this really uh, interesting uh, little thread that I saw on Twitter that I like to reference every once in a while. It's by this guy named Cooper who calls himself the Witch King. And he talks about these squares, these mutable squares, and he describes... Um, the square between Pisces and Sagittarius as wisdom versus wonder. So we have, he describes Sagittarius as wisdom, Jupiterian wisdom. And uh, the Pisces kind of section is, is the Jupiterian wonder. We think about the possibilities versus what we're going to actually take physical action on. And um, I think this is, this is also reflected in our fire and water type of experience. There are multiple themes that came up in my oracular discoveries uh, as I was oracular explorations, we could say, with the I Ching, with seeing this last quarter moon phase, with uh, the themes of Phaethon and the sun and the river, the Eurydonis. So we have this fire water uh, kind of tension where fire is, is action. And water is maybe being a little bit more receptive and, and molding to our container. So there may be, uh, we, we may have some tension between having to uh, make compromises for the containers that we want to pour our wisdom and our wonder into and the actions that we're taking out in the physical world. All right. So one of the things that is uh, 
important when we look at this last quarter moon phase is at 15 degrees, we have a couple fixed stars that become part of our story. Okay. And I want, what I would like to do is I would like to go to my star chart and I wanted to show you what we're looking at here. So here on the star chart, this is Starry Night Pro. We see the sun around March 4th or March 5th. Let's even go to the 5th here. Okay, we see that by projecting by ecliptical degree down to the fixed star, a churnar, okay, a churnar. And this is the last fixed star in the Uranus. So we start with Rigel right here, and we see this really long winding constellation. Rigel is the, the foot of Orion that is stepping foot into this river of wisdom. And this is really the end of the road, okay, a Chernar. And we also see this fixed star Anka in the, uh, the constellation of the Phoenix. So we have these kind of dual themes, maybe endings, uh, maybe rising from the ashes. Um, a, a Chernar really plays heavily in the story of Phaethon. So what I want to do is I want to read you the story of Phaethon from this book, Classical Mythology, um, by Mark Morford and Robert Lenarden. And this is kind of taking some themes from Ovid's Metamorphosis. So this is where, this is kind of their interpretation of Ovid's Metamorphosis. And they say, on page 34... A well-known story concerns Phaethon, the son of Helios, by one of his mistresses, Clymene. 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 According to Ovid's account in the Metamorphosis, Phaethon was challenged by the accusation that the son was not his real father at all. His mother, Clymene, Clymene, I'm figuring out how to say that. Clymene, uh, however, swore to him that he was truly the child of Helios and told him that he should, if so desired, ask his father, the god himself. Ovid describes in glowing terms the magnificent palace of the sun with its towering columns, gleaming with gold and polished ivory, splendid in both material and workmanship. Phaethon, awed by the grandeur of his surroundings, is prevented from coming too close to the god because of his radiance. Helios, however, confirmed Clymene's account of Phaethon's parentage and lays aside all rays all the rays that shine around his head and orders his son to approach. He embraces him and promises an oath sworn by the river Styx that the boy may have any gift that he likes so that he may dispel his doubts once and for all. And this really has some correlation with the nine of, of uh, cups, which is called the wish card in Benabel Wen's interpretation. So this is about making a wish, that matrix of having what we want, right? Of being able to create from our imagination. So this is what Phaethon decides. Phaethon quickly and decisively asks that he be allowed to drive his father's chariot for one day. Okay. In, in ancient astrology, they thought that Helios, or, you know, we could also call him Apollo, I guess, drove the chariot of the sun across the sky over the course of a, of a you know, of the, the daylight. He drives that, you know, by primary motion, that sun rises and sets and it's it pulled by these horses. That was why Apollo or Helios was associated with horses. It says, the sun tries in vain to dissuade him, but Phaethon in his eagerness pays no attention. Helios must, ab must abide by his dread oath and reluctantly leads the youth to his chariot, fashioned ex exquisitely by Vulcan or Hephaestus, 
of gold, silver, and the jewels that reflect the brilliant light of the god. The chariot is yoked. Helios anoints his son's face to protect against the flames, places the rays on his head, and with a heavy heart advises him on his course and the management of the horses, and tries for the last time to dissuade him. Phaethon, young and inexperienced, is unable to control the four-winged horses who speed from their usual path. The chariot races to the heights of heaven, creating havoc by the intensity of the heat, and then hurtles down to earth. It says Ovid delights in his description of the, of the destruction and transformations that result. He says two examples from many uh, were the that how he describes how the Ethiopians had had acquired their dark skin and how Libya became a desert. The earth herself is ablaze and unable to endure her fiery anguish any longer. Zeus, in answer to her prayer, hurdles his thunder and lightning and shatters the car, dashing Phaethon to his death. The river Eurydonis receives and bathes him, and nymphs bury him along with the following instructions upon his tomb. Here, lies, here is buried Phaethon, charioteer of his father's car. He could not control it, yet he died after daring great deeds. His sisters, daughters of the sun, in their mourning for Phaethon, turned into trees whose bark tears flowed, which hardened into amber in, by the sun and dropped into the river. Away from Liguria, his cousin Cygnus mourns, from him, mourns for him, and he too changes and becomes a swan. Okay, so we have this great tragedy. We have uh, the association of the earth being set aflame. So we have associations with a churn are associated with fire. Uh, he falls into the river, the Eurydonis. So we have this associated with floods, so fire and flood. We have a youth that is overestimating his power, much like Dolus in, in the uh, story of Prometheus and his uh, apprentice, um, where we're you know, incomplete with our knowledge and trying to fly or trying to create before we are fully fledged. Um, so a lot of these themes can, can really, uh, really be seen in the hexagram that comes up in addition to this. So um, let's take a look at the hexagram. Okay. And we'll, I'll draw this on my astral gold chart. So here we see the chart and the hexagram that we pulled and I'll draw it for you, was number 64. And number 64 is called Before Completion, Not Yet Across, okay? Uh, and in this, there is yet another story of someone trying to cross over into a new experience, into wisdom, trying to complete something, but maybe getting its little tail wet. We see the story of a little fox. So here we have 64 changing to the hexagram 62. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, 64 is also called before the end, not yet across. Uh, it is associated with fire. So this hexagram is fire, okay? The sun above the water above the stream. <laughs> so this is funny. I'm just laughing because the I Ching, 
the I Ching, the, these readings that we're doing, I just get such a, uh, a kick out of the connections that we see between the card, between the, the Deccan, um, between the aspects and between the I Ching. I just, I love it when it comes together like this, fire above the stream, right? <laughs> it's just hilarious. Um, which talks about the right elements, but not in the right order. Um, and Benabel Wen, I'm sorry, uh, not Benabel Wen, uh, Hillary Barrett in her translation likes to ask these questions. She says, how do we prepare for the crossing? How will you know when it's time? She says, quote, not yet across, but creating success. The small fox, almost across, soaks its tail. No direction bears fruit. Fire above the stream, the right elements, but not yet the right order. Okay. So we have young Phaethon who wants to drive the chariot of his father, Helios, the son, creating great destruction, creating great fire falling into the, into the river, into the stream itself, uh, and creating a, a great crisis. Line two. Okay, we're going to read this from the bottom up. Here's line two. Line two says, there is a delay in reaching your goal. Your wheels are dragged back. Anxiety may be causing you to move too fast. Slow down for a safe crossing. All right, we we've, we're starting to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel starting to see what we want to create. We're starting to become uh, invigorated by this desire, this, this vision that we have, but we, we need to be patient, right? We need to uh, make sure that we're, we are taking care of uh, all of the steps in the process and not skipping steps. Line three says, not yet across, setting out to bring order, pitfall, fruitful to cross the great river. Again, the great river comes up. It says change is underway. We need to appreciate the process. We need to commit to the process. Don't underestimate the scale of change. There may be some frustration, but we need to persevere. And this really comes uh, together with the uh, the nine of wands. The nine of wands shows a figure that is bandaged. He feels like he's maybe sustained an injury, but he's standing firm. He's trying to bring this vision into into manifestation. And it, that we may have encountered some difficulties, right? In any vision that we have when we're trying to bring it into reality, we're going to come up against some roadblocks. We're going to come up against the limitations of, of our knowledge, limitations of our skill set, limitations of just the circumstances or the season that we are creating within. And I will remind you, we are still within the winter season in the Northern Hemisphere. This is still a time of, of hibernation. This is still a time of really understanding what we want to create before we have the, the, the pushing of the seed through the soil uh, in, the, in the Aries spring season, okay? So again, I will preach this till my final days, patience. I will also preach the, the, the necessity of equilibrium, of balance, of, you know, not trying to overshoot the mark. I'm, I'm experiencing this too. I'm really getting itchy to teach a class. And I have to, I have to be patient with the process. Um, I've got lots of ideas and I'm, I've got lots of big ideas because that's what, the way I usually do it. Um, but I have to figure out what is possible, what the correct timing of it is. And um, I'll keep you updated with all that. Just recognize that I'm going through a process just like all of you. I'm living these aspects. I'm living these uh, reflections of the, the mind of the cosmos, right? 
we can think of astrology as second guessing the mind of the divine. And I'm prayed all these influences, just like all of you. So uh, we're going on this journey together. Okay. So we've, we've unpacked the lines, the changing lines, and this is changing into hexagram number 62, which they call the small or small exceeding or conscientiousness. Now this one, this one also is going to give you, I think some, some tingles when we break it down. It says, do you need to cross a line? What small things can you do to meet the needs of the situation? How can you take even more care? It says, careful not to overreach in your enthusiasm. And here's the quote that gets me. When birds fly high, their song is lost. Better to stay low. I mean, there's the story of Phaethon right there. This was the st literally the story of a, of a youth that is flying too high and trying to control something that is out of his reach. And this is the, the battle of humility versus hubris. We had young faith on that. We had the, the hubris of youth. And we see this a lot. We, we, have, uh, we have this youthful enthusiasm. And this, this can be reflected in the, the physical youth of our like, you know, teenage, early 20s experience where we think anything is possible. The world is at my fingertips. And then you get beaten down by life a little bit. And you understand that there are certain things that are possible and certain things that aren't. You come to terms with your Saturnian maturity where Saturn contracts that Jupiterian youthful enthusiasm. And eventually you find uh, a balance point, an equilibrium point where you know that you haven't lost the spark of your enthusiasm, but you know what is possible now. And you're able to use your energy in a much more efficient way as you get older. I watched a movie last night that was pretty funny. It was called Barb and Star Visit uh, Vista Del Mar with Kristen Wiig. And uh, they were talking about finding their shimmer again. It was two women who were in their middle age and they needed to go on a vacation and they, they needed to visit the ocean to find their shimmer. <laughs> so they were, they were you, know, you know, going on their Jupiterian journey and figuring out what was possible and, and what wasn't. And um, they did, they found their song again, but it wasn't through uh, this gr these grandiose gestures. It was through the simplicity of friendship. It was through the simplicity of... Um, you know, just, just being willing to go through the process together, finding unity through that. So like uh, little faith on, we have to realize that we don't have to do grandiose things. We don't like, um, we don't have to be Zeus himself. Remember Zeus was, uh, you know, he, he struck faith on down with his thunderbolt. So Zeus is basically saying, you know, I am the deity. And I am the demiurge. I am the creator. And if you want to be a co-creator, that's fine. But you can't mistake yourself as the, the, the ultimate source of power. And you can't mis overestimate, uh, or you will be struck down by the gods themselves. Remember, the, 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 um, the thing that was punishable by the gods the most was, was hubris, was thinking that you knew better than the gods themselves. So again, Maybe the thing that you're trying to manifest at the, the spring in the springtime of your life, maybe it needs to be a, a smaller offering. Maybe it needs to be uh, something that is within your capacity to be able to control rather than something that you could easily lose control of. Like you could, you could easily lose the reins of the horses and it could create a lot of destruction. I've been thinking about this in my, in my own thing. Like I, I, I hate to keep, referring to myself all the time, but this is like the, the, the only thing that I really uh, have that I can speak with any authority on is my own perspective. 
And as I expand what I do with astrology, I had to think about how it fits into the, the daily practice of my life. Um, you know, I, I've been very busy lately and I've been trying to figure out what, what, um, how to best direct my energy and how to balance out rest and, and getting into oracular space with creation. I, I um, tend to feel a responsibility to, uh, to you as an audience to, to uh, analyze so many of these different um, transits. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but I'm, I am actually really enjoying the process and I'm enjoying the expansion of this channel enjoying the expansion of uh, being able to do readings for all of you. And hopefully I will uh, be able to, to guide the chariot of maybe even something like a class too. Um, but we have to find the right mix. And I, as at, just as I am trying to find the right mix, you as well will have to find the right mixture to be able to cross into the new reality that wants to be born. We've spent much of 2020s figuring out what we are not and what we had to let go of. And after we have cleared the decks, after we have created space, there will always be something to fill that vacuum. And you have to decide what you're going to allow to fill the vacuum of the void that you've created through uh, rejecting that which you no longer were. And who do you want to become? All right. So I think that's what I've got for you today. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there. I really appreciate you as uh, a community. I appreciate the comments that you are leaving on these videos and in the live chats and, and after the fact. So please, if you, are, uh, if you are engaging with this content, leave me a comment. Let me know what you are leaving behind and what you're moving towards. How's the process going? Can you see in your own experience where you may be tempted to be like Phaethon and to maybe overshoot the mark? And how can you reel yourself back in and try to manifest, but from a, a humbler place? How can you start with small steps rather than trying to overestimate your abilities? What new skills do you need to keep uh, cultivating to be able to expand greater and greater into your authenticity? So again, thank you for being here. If you're enjoying these videos, hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you are enjoying the work that I, I do, uh, one of the ways that you could support me now is buying me a coffee. And we could think of it as a, a smoothie, a coffee, a tea, a book. You know, there's an, an option to like buy a book. But uh, I think that uh, really what you're doing is buying me the gift of time to do this research, to be able to uh, get into an oracular space without physical reality encroaching upon that so that I can be the best channel and the best translator for these symbols to you as an audience and to the world at large, because that is what I consider the work that I'm doing here, uh, just a translation, a translation of spirit to hopefully make it accessible and useful for you. So there's a link in the video if you want to do that as well. And thank you so much for being here. Um, I will see you the next time. And as always, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. Take care. Peace.